Good morning. It is good to see everybody this morning. After a week of EBS and with the rain coming down outside, this morning as we start, I want to think about the life of John Bunyan. I'm going to start a little different this morning. But if you're familiar with John Bunyan, he was a preacher in England in the middle of the 1600s. And that was a time in England where religious liberty was based on whether or not you were in the same uh, favor denomination of the king or whoever was in charge at the time. So in other words, there wasn't a lot of freedom. And Bunyan, whose church was not part of the established Church of England, was arrested for preaching in his church because the government didn't condone it. And so this was the middle of the 1600s. He was originally sentenced to three months in prison, but because he said he wouldn't promise to stop preaching, that extended all the way to 12 years. And so he was in prison, not just was that hard, but he had a wife, uh, he had four kids. His wife was pregnant when he became imprisoned and she miscarried and gave birth to a stillborn child while he was in prison. So Bunyan was not uh, ignorant of the challenges that that put on, not just himself, but his family. But him and his wife, Elizabeth, they were, they were steadfast to not stop preaching. And so he remained in prison. And during that time in prison, really is why we know who he is, Although he was a famous preacher of the day, we know John Bunyan because he began to write The Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison, one of the most famous English books ever written. And so Pilgrim's Progress, I say all this because if you've read that book, if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, then you're going to see a lot of similar themes that came up in the book come up in our passage this morning. It's it's evident that this imagery of this gate and this pathway, it was stuck in Bunyan's mind as he just thought about it and thought about it and put that imagery into his book. And so really, in a lot of ways, the Pilgrim's Progress is a great companion to this passage this morning. And as we look at the end of Matthew 7, we'll see that just like Bunyan, we should meditate on this gate. We should meditate on this path that leads to life. And we should think about where this path leads and walk obediently on it. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 28. It will also be on the screen this morning. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 28. And the word of the Lord says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruits, 
but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it has been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Amen. God, may you open our eyes to see your amazing truth this morning. Amen. So this morning, as we reach this end of the Sermon on the Mount, we remember we've seen really from the beginning that this is Jesus teaching his disciples. He had proclaimed the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, turn away from the way you're going and come to the kingdom. Come and be a part of the people of God. And people believed, they responded, they turned away from the way they were going. They followed Jesus. And so Jesus sat down and he taught them, what does it mean to be a part of this kingdom? And so that's what we find in this Sermon on the Mount. We find Jesus really telling us how we live as Christians, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so here at the end of this teaching, Jesus is really telling us that how we start is important and how we finish is important. Christians need to start well and finish well. And so as we start this morning, as we walk through this, we see Christians start well and finish well. And we'll see throughout this passage that Jesus really describes these, these two paths, these two different ways of life. He says there's one way of life and there are pitfalls that lead to death. And we see these two paths throughout and especially at the beginning of our journey to find the way of life. And so in verses 13 through 14, Jesus, he says, enter by the narrow gates because there's more than one path. There's more than one path in life. Not all paths lead to heaven. Jesus says there is one path we need to enter by that gate because all other paths, all other gates lead to destruction. That's what Jesus tells us here. And so he doesn't just say all paths lead that way. He also says this is, 
in, in certain ways, we could say that the way of destruction, this path, is, is the default that we, we start on. It's not as though we're like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, right? In The Wizard of Oz, she lives her life for a little bit, and then she gets transported to the, to the land of Oz, and she starts out on this path on the yellow brick, brick road, right? Well, that's not how we are. We don't live our life for a while and then have to decide, am I going to take the way of life or the way of destruction? The Bible says we don't start out as a, a blank slate. No, we start out on this path of destruction. That's our default. That's where we're naturally gravitating towards because the Bible says that we're sinful people. Inherently, we, we're born that way. And so we're not basically good, but our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked, like Jeremiah says. And so we start out on this path of destruction, and so we must heed Jesus' words. How do we get on this path of life? Jesus says we must enter through the narrow gate. That's where it starts. It starts at this narrow gate. If you're, uh, I started by talking about Pilgrim's Progress. You remember Christian, he, he feels this tension. He knows he's not on the path. He knows he's destined to destruction. And he just cannot figure out, how do I get this burden off my back? How do I get on this path of life? Well, someone comes by and tells him, right? They come and they tell him the way to the, the wicked gates. That's where you need to go. And so same here, we, we need to enter by this gate, this door. And that door is Jesus. Uh, you might remember the imagery Jesus said, I am the, the door in John chapter 10. Jesus describes himself that way. You enter through him and are saved. That's how we get onto this path of life. We'll be delivered from sin and Satan by entering through him. You remember John 14, 6, the famous verse, I am the, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that really is what he's saying here. We must enter through him. And so that means we have to believe him. We have to believe that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will be saved. We have to believe that he's Lord over everything. That He's Lord over literally everything. I told the kids that this week at BDS. He rules over everything. There's nothing he does not control, does not have authority over. And we rebel against him. And we must, we must believe that he's Lord and then believe that we've sinned against him and ask him to forgive us. We must be saved and reconciled to him. And we must believe that he's our Lord, not just that he forgives us, but that now our life is about following him. He's our master. That's another word we could use for Lord. And so this is how we enter by this gate. It's through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. It's exclusive. And Jesus says, this is the way you get onto the path. And then he goes on and says what the path is like, right? He tells us this is a path that is hard. The narrow gates and the way is hard that leads to life. It's not easy. Just like the gate is exclusive, so this path is 
exclusive. It's hard. There are things that don't belong on the path. And so we could probably say from experience that doing what's wrong is easy. A lot of times it's easy to drift into sin. It, it tugs at us if we're not careful. We'll, we'll just get into bad habits or get into bad practices, doing the wrong thing. And it's hard to break out of that. It's easy to go down this wide path. But Jesus says we must work hard to walk this path of life. That it is hard. We remember that 2 Timothy, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, will suffer persecution. In other words, there will be opposition as we walk this path. We can expect that. Uh, opposition from outside, opposition from our own desires inside of us. But this is a life of sacrifice that Jesus calls us to. He calls us to take up our cross and follow him. The way is hard. We have to set aside things that are okay and even things that are good. If they are slowing us down or keeping us off of this path. But really that is the good life. Because we have to remember not just that this path is hard, but where it leads. This is the way of life. I mean, think about it. Would you rather settle for something that's just okay or decently good? Would you rather go to a restaurant that serves okay food? Or would you rather, if the price is the same, would you rather go to the place that serves the best food in town? We'd rather get the best. And so Jesus says, this is the best way. He's been describing the blessed life. This path is hard, but it is the best. It is the blessed life that he describes. So that Paul could say, I've counted everything lost, but I've gained. None of that compares to their surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And so enter through this narrow gate and walk this path that is hard because that is the way of life. Life is, the Christian life is hard. And Jesus continues to say that this way of life on this path, we have to be aware of people who aren't on this path and who might pull us off of this path. And so he goes on in verses 15 through 20, he talks about these false prophets, these false teachers who might lead us off the path. He says, beware of them. Beware of them. In other words, we shouldn't just Accept and listen to someone because they're holding a Bible or talking about the Bible. That's not enough. Jesus says we have to evaluate who they are. We have people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament who were false teachers, who, who harmed the people of God by their teaching and did damage to the flock. Jesus probably hears is referring to the Pharisees. He's, throughout this sermon, he's talked about the Pharisees and being beware of them. He's probably taking a little jab at them here. But he's saying this, we need to beware and hold on to the truth. And so if we're not on guard and able to evaluate whether someone is a sheep or a wolf, then our soul is in danger. 
That's really what he's saying here, that we can get pulled off the path or led to believe that a different path is the right path if we do not know the truth enough to be able to see the truth in others. So that was what our scripture reading was about this morning. We saw really a bigger description of who these false teachers are and what they are like, their characteristics, their way of life. They sound good. They sound good, but there's, there's nothing of substance for our souls. They're like wells. You're in the desert. You see an oasis, but it's, you get there and it's just a mirage or you're, you're hoping for rain. No one here is hoping for rain right now. We've had a lot of rain. Right, But in, in the desert or in places that have a dry climate, you, you see the clouds coming and you hope you're finally going to get the rain and then they just pass by and there's no water. Right? This is what these false teachers are like. We have to be aware of them because they will they'll dehydrate our souls. They will harm us just like salt water. It, it looks promising if you're adrift in the ocean. You have water all around you, and yet that water will actually do you more harm than good. So these false teachers, whether that's the, the charismatic TV evangelist or the, the hip, cool pastor, um, we need to pay careful attention to the full teaching of someone. And then we need to find a better teacher if what they say doesn't line up with the Bible. But Jesus says more than that. It's not just what they're saying. Not just do they rightly divide the word of truth, as Paul said. But Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. What is the fruit of their life? Uh, wisdom is known by her fruit, by her children. You can see what is wise by what is produced. You can see the fruit by what is produced in someone's life. And so... We need not just pastors who are able to teach, but we need pastors who fit all the biblical requirements. You remember in the requirements for pastor, it, it lists you need to be able to teach, but all the other requirements are about character. They're about a way of life. And so Jesus is saying that same thing here. You need to evaluate whether someone is a good teacher based on their way of life. And so that's how we can be aware of people we, we hear that may say things that sound good, but we need to dig a little deeper and see, is this teaching that I should be following? Are they really leading the right way or not? Uh, Jesus says, as we kind of finish thinking about this, we can think about this fruit in, in a certain way. You remember Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We're familiar with that, right? But it also talks about the fruit of the flesh. It, it compares and contrasts the fruit of the flesh with the fruit of the spirit. And so it says that those who are living this life in the flesh, who produce these fruits, and you can go and read the lists, that those are the leaders who will lead us down a path of destruction. Those are the false teachers, the false prophets. And we, in an era where information and teaching is available to us in so many avenues, not just the TV and the radio, which you can find pretty much anyone, <laughs> whether uh, it's a blog or a YouTube clip, you can find pretty much anyone who's a teacher or a preacher. We need to be able to evaluate these things. 
and make sure that we are nourishing our souls on the path of life. And so Jesus says, be on the path yourself. Watch out for other people who would lead you off of this path. But he doesn't just tell us to watch out for other people. He tells us to look at our own life. So just like this false teacher who might say the right things, but they don't do what Jesus says, we need to look at our own life and see, am I doing what Jesus says? I may be saying the right things, but am I on this path? If we've grown up in church or you've been around church, you probably know the right answers. But Jesus says, don't just think about what you know. Think about what you are doing to make sure you are walking this path and see if you've erred and need to get back on this path. And so Jesus is speaking, really we could say he's speaking this message to us who live in the Bible belts. Right? In verses 21 through 23, as he says, there will be people who come, who get to the gates of heaven and say, Lord, Lord, we knew you. You are our Lord. We followed you. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. That is something, really, that's a frightening thought. Not a frightening thought. We want to be people who hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not Depart from me, I never knew you. And so Jesus is at the end, he wants us to feel the weight, the seriousness of this life to evaluate ourselves. Do we do the word of God? Are we obeying the will of our Father in heaven? Or are we deceiving ourselves? And it's interesting here, I'll just point out that these people who he says, are going to depart from him, whom he doesn't know. They're doing things that seem spiritual. In fact, in our day, these are, these are acts that would be associated with the works of the Spirit in more charismatic circles. But we see that they prophesy in Jesus' name. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They do many mighty works. These are the people that you would think have the Spirit of God in them and are, God is working through them. And yet Jesus says, that's not an indication of knowing me. That in itself does not prove that you know me. In other words, there's more to following God than doing these great and mighty works. Jesus says we must show this good fruit in our life. And the fruit of the Spirit is not in the the grand gestures, the grand mighty works of the Christian life. The fruit of the Spirit is in our Character and how we act every day and see the Spirit working in us in this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things we want to see in ourselves on this path of life. And so Jesus tells us to walk this narrow path. He tells us to watch out for others who might lead us on the path, off the path. He tells us to look at ourselves and make sure we are not deceiving ourselves or thinking we're on the right path when we're not. And then he, he closes by really telling us to think about where this path is leading. What's going to be the end result of walking this path, right? He gives us two examples. 
you can walk the path of obedience, this narrow path, this hard path of following Jesus. You can hear the words of God and obey them. And then you'll be like this man who builds his house on this solid foundation. We probably understand this metaphor more than other parts of the country with hurricanes that roll through and the winds that come and the storms that come, right? And we can think about what it takes for a building to stand through those things. Well, Jesus says, if we are holding fast to his word and obeying it, if we're seeking to do what he says, that is what will hold us fast through those storms, will lead us to endure. Jesus says our life will be hard, that we shouldn't expect it to be easy. But if we walk this path, then we will make it. We'll make it through everything that comes at us. There will be storms, there will be floods and wind and rain, but you will make it on this path. Because this path leads to life. The hardships of this path will not be the end. This hard path doesn't lead us to an end of hardship, but it leads us to life. And so we will be with him in the end. We will be saved as we walk this path. But there's another way he talks about, right? There's this path of obedience, this path of life, but there's also another path. And really, Jesus tells us here that this other path is easy and as wide as it seems. This other path also has hardship on it, right? It also has hardship. There are storms that come in this life as well. Whatever path you take, there will be storms. Everyone will have different levels of hardship and suffering in their life, but no one is exempt from those things. We all live in a world that is tainted by sin that will not be made right until Jesus returns. And so everyone will have these hardships. It's a matter of Will we make it through them? Will we last in these hardships? And Jesus says that this other path will not. This is not the path that starts and ends with Jesus. This is the path that really is built around ourself. It starts and ends with ourselves. And so anything we build our life on that does not have Jesus as the start and finish will not last. That's what Jesus is saying here. It could be ourselves. It could be focusing on a career or uh, a life of money or even philanthropy and doing good or just having a simple life. But no matter how good our intentions or our actions are, anything besides a life that starts and ends with Jesus will not last. If our life is built around those things, it will not stand up what we will face in life and what we will face at the end of life. And so Jesus is telling us through this passage, he's telling us these two ways. And he's telling us you have to start the right way. You have to enter through the gate, through Jesus. He's saying you have to end well. You have to walk this path all the way to the end and obey his word. Finish the right way. And so this is what he tells us, really 
we need to think not just ourselves about how to respond, but we can see how the people who heard this responded. How they responded. Look at the response of the people who heard Jesus in verse 28. Jesus finished these sayings. The crowds were astonished at his teaching. Jesus taught, and then the crowds were astonished at what he was saying. Because he was teaching them as one who had authority. So Jesus was teaching his disciples, but we see there were other people there too. Other people were interested, wanted to hear Jesus, kind of like in church, right? Churches for building up believers, and yet other people are come and visit too and hear what church is about, or maybe are consistent attenders, right? And so these people who heard Jesus, they were astonished that he he wasn't just guessing about what might happen or theorizing about if you do this, well, this will probably happen. No, he told them, this is what will happen. If you walk this way, this will happen. If you walk this other way, this will happen. Jesus isn't guessing. He's teaching with authority because he knows the beginning and the end. And so this is what he leaves us with. This is authoritative teaching of Jesus that we need to hear and obey as we walk this path of obedience. Start the right way. Finish the right way. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Lord, this is it's always refreshing to hear just straightforward truth from your word. And you tell us that frequently throughout your word. You always tell us what is true. And Lord, at the same time, it is, it is hard to hear this truth. And we pray that we would not just hear it, but that we would be reminded that life is hard. And be okay with that and have our expectations adjusted to that. To not focus on how can I make my life easier but on how am I doing as I walk through this hardship that I'm in? Am I obeying you? Am I staying on the path and trusting that this path leads to life? Lord, may we hold on to that. May we have other people around us who help us to hold on to that as we walk through life. May we be the kind of people who encourage other people to walk this path, encourage them to hold on, and that remind each other that we will make it and that this is the way of life. Lord, thank you that this is hard, but it is good. That is the blessed life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.